The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. One more day, it's the weekend, so congratulations. You have made it through yet another week as we get closer and closer to football season, high school season. Uh, I think there's a couple of games tonight maybe across the state. I know next week is when everybody gets cranked up uh, across the state of Alabama in high school football. Of course, we are 22 days away from the college season for Auburn kicking off. The countdown to football season continues here on the show. 22 days from September 3rd when Auburn takes the field for the very first time. Even closer than that for college football in general. We're three weeks away from Auburn. We're two weeks away from college football. We have NFL preseason on. So football season is here, folks. We are watching some preseason, then high school, and then college right around the corner. So all good things as football season is officially upon us. But hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. And for the entire first hour, we have Christian Clemente from Auburn 24-7. How you doing, man? I know it's a busy time for you. Yeah, no, it's been pretty busy recently with, uh, you know, fall camp and all that. Um, you can definitely feel the buzz around town. All the students are getting back. Yes. Traffic oh, my gosh. As yes. I rushed over here um, <laughs> and struggled to get through traffic. But, yeah. you know, it's good. It's exciting. Stuff to do, stuff to talk about. Right. Actual stuff to talk about. Actual stuff say. to talk about. Not having to come up with content to create during the middle of June and July. So lots of good stuff to talk about. We have Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 in the house. All of our number one. We're going to be talking uh, a little bit of recruiting. Not a ton to talk about right now, but we do have some stuff to talk about. Also, notes from fall camp, fall practice, what we've seen and what we know so far, what we expect over the next couple of weeks. So Christian Clemente in the house for all of our number one. Phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you on this Friday afternoon. 334-321-1390. Again, that's the number to put you through to us. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. Anything you got for me or Christian, whether it's recruiting or what we've seen at practice, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, Christian, obviously uh, recruiting is your that's your will house that is where you are uh shining for 24 7 right now and auburn has somebody on their eyes for tonight at five o'clock there's a commitment what can you tell us yeah just right down the road uh Lochipoca high school jc hart um a name that people in the area are probably familiar with if you're familiar with Lochipoca high at all because he's i mean he's a stud there um he's a kid who he plays cornerback and wide receiver he's 6'2 175 he ran a 4-3-7, 40-yard dash. That's ridiculous. Camp. Yeah, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, incredible kid, too, off the field. Um, he's 4.0-plus GPA student. 
He has offers from Yale, Penn, Dartmouth, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt on top of, you know, Auburn, UCF, Mississippi State, some other schools. Um, and he's making his commitment tonight there at Lochpoke at five o'clock. Um, he narrowed it down to four choices, Auburn, UCF, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Right now, Auburn seems to be kind of leading the way. That's where my crystal ball pick is in for. But, you know, some other programs have interesting things as well. You know, Vanderbilt with the academics, UCF put in a big push for him there at the end of July, and he went and visited there. But I think he probably ends up staying close to home, but we'll, just, we'll kind of wait and see at five. And you're gonna be you're gonna be there, right? You're gonna drive down after you get done here. You're gonna drive over and and watch his commitment. Yeah, I'm gonna head over there um, for his commitment, and you know, just kind of take it all in and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of the job is actually being there at commitment ceremonies and stuff like that. Just, well, you follow these kids for so long, and then you get to see it finally the day that they commit, and you know, change their lives forever. Yeah, they're just there's always just a big smile on their face. You know, there's a couple of days. Signing day is very stressful because it's a lot of work, but it's fantastic seeing the kids. They're all excited. Their commitment days are all exciting. You know, those are just really fun days on the job where, you know, you you put in a decent amount of work, but it all kind of culminates and you get to see, you know, you get to see a kid just extremely happy right and so talking about uh jc just a little bit more obviously you said he's a three star he's a 4.0 gpa plus i mean he runs a 437 40 i mean that's just an unbelievable athlete the things that i've heard about this kid are he's got the things that you can't coach you can't teach right he's got the speed he's got the athleticism right that's what auburn has always looked for he's a three star but is there potential to be a little bit more than that by the time he gets to either Auburn or wherever he commits to? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know if he'll end up actually raising his ranking, but rankings at the end of the day, once you get to college, don't matter. You're at Auburn either way, so it doesn't matter necessarily. Um, it's just that, you know, with his size and his speed playing corner, it's exactly what you just said. You can't teach stuff like that. When you get him to Auburn, when you get him wherever he ends up going, you can teach him how to play cornerback, how to play safety. How the to fundamentals, nickel, if he needs yes, it. Exactly. You can teach him stuff like that. You can't teach that size. You can't teach that speed. And that's what he's bringing. And he's bringing the smarts off the field and on the field. He's a very smart player on the field as well. And he's a good leader, too. He's quiet, but he's a good leader. So you're getting a really good player um, You know, wherever he ends up going. You know, wherever he ends up going, you're getting at least a really good kid who will contribute. He's not going to cause problems. He could be a special teams player, worst case scenario. But I think he could be a lot more than that. You know, I've talked with his coach um, at Loach Poker, uh, or Jason has, and kind of told me a little bit about it. And he thinks he has NFL potential. Wow. Um, he said the comparison that, you know, some people have used is like a sauce gardener. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't say that about everybody, yeah. right? And, yeah, sauce gardener from Cincinnati, what an um, unbelievable player. Yeah, and he was 6'3", um, 200, so maybe just a little bit bigger, but kind of similar frame for a corner. So, you know, wherever JC ends up going, if it's Auburn or wherever it ends up being, they're getting a fantastic athlete who, you know, he's playing at a 1A school. He's playing at Lochapoca. If he was playing at a higher level school, he probably would be a four star realistically, just because there's more eyes on him. Yeah. But you know, either way, he's still a three star, which is still a pretty talented player, and he brings a lot to wherever he's going to end up committing. So he commits today at five o'clock from Lochapoca High School. Let's say, obviously, it hasn't happened yet. You have your crystal ball in for JC. He's going to be. You have him committing to Auburn this evening. We'll see what he actually does at five o'clock. But let's say he does commit to Auburn, right? Let's say he he commits to come and play for Brian Harson and the Tigers. What is the new outlook on Auburn's recruiting class if JC decides to commit to Auburn? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just wrapping up the summer i guess i would say for auburn you know you're moving into this is one of the last kids that's going to be making his decision before 
the Auburn season starts, before the high school season starts, you know, a lot of kids over the next couple of weeks are kind of shutting their recruitment down in a sense where they're either going to be committing or they're going to say, okay, I got to wait. I'm not ready to make a decision yet. And JC is ready to make his decision. So he's kind of wrapping things up for the summer. Overall, um, the summer could have gone better for Auburn in a couple areas, but also you still picked up some you had a good July, I would say. And you yeah, get, I think July went really well. Yeah, you get Carmelo English, Jeremiah Cobb, Wilkie Denod, Ashley Williams right outside of July. Um, you had a very successful Big Cat weekend. So there's positives and negatives to take away from the summer of Auburn recruiting. You know, you leave with uh, JC, if he were to commit, would be Auburn's seventh commitment. And, you know, six of those are four stars. And the last one is JC, a three-star that you believe in um, very highly mm-hmm. because you're willing to take him. You know, you're, right. if you're not taking him, or if you're taking him, you believe in him. Yeah, me. I would hope so. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, if he does end up committing, that's a solid foundation of the class. Those seven players, those are really, really strong. And then it, it comes down to what we've been saying all along. It comes down to the season. Will they be able to win enough games to convince players, to convince recruits that they should come to Auburn? We'll, we'll just, I mean, it's it's wait and see now. I, right. I really don't think after J.C. Hart commits to Auburn or wherever it may end up being, I don't think Auburn will have any other commitments um, before the season starts unless it's a surprise, maybe like maybe one surprise or something. But then everything will pick up week one. You know, the kids will be able to – the dead period will be over. The kids will be able to come back to campus, go go to games, official visits, stuff like that. So then, then it picks right back up again, and we'll kind of see. So at this point for Auburn, okay, we're, we're still talking hypothetically because J.C. has not committed for, to Auburn yet. He commits tonight at 5 o'clock, either Auburn, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, or UCF. Let's say he does commit to Auburn. At this point, uh, as we are getting closer to the season starting, that would be, you, you already talked about it, that would be the seventh player of this 2023 class for Auburn. We like to give grades all the time. I know you guys do as well. What would be the grade for Auburn to this point in the recruiting season for this 2023 class if J.C. Hart decides to commit to Auburn? What would be your, your I guess, your grade for Auburn recruiting at this point in the season? Ooh. Um, and why? I would go like a B- minus or a B. Okay. Because okay. I, I like what they've done so far in a sense where they're sticking to their guns. They're sticking with the guys that they want. They're not just jumping on kids. You know, there have been kids that wanted to commit. We've talked about this on the show. There have been kids that wanted to commit, but Auburn says, hey, we're not ready for you yet. Um, so while it is a smaller class, they're choosing the quality. They're choosing the guys that they want. They're sticking with it. You know, the reason I keep it lower at a B minus or a B, which is still a solid grade in my opinion. Hey, you're passing. Yeah, exactly. Um the reason I keep it lower is just because, you know, you would like to see that number a little higher. Right. You're still further behind. You're putting a lot of pressure on a strong finish again, like you did last year. But you do have that blueprint. You know, you did it last year. And if you win enough game, you did it last year coming off a, a losing kind of effort there at the end of the season. If you do it on a five year, game losing streak. Yeah, exactly. If you do it this year, coming on a winning streak or a decent season or a hot season, you have that potential. You know, it's it's kind of a risky play, but because of the situation with the February coup and everything like that, it's it's the situation they've been forced into and they're kind of doing the best they can with the hand they're dealt. Yeah, and it's all just so crazy, right? I mean, you talk about February, how crazy that was, and then the end of the season last year, all of that just kind of goes into a question mark in this recruiting class so far for 2023. But if Auburn does end up getting J.C., I think – 
I think they're looking okay, right? You have seven guys. Obviously, it's not the 15 or 20 that other schools have and that Auburn fans would like to have. Uh, But that also, if you're trying to look for a positive side on this, that also gives Auburn a little bit of room to go after some guys and go after uh, some guys to, to fill those spots. And we talk about it all the time, man. Winning cures all. And I think we've gotten to that point. You and I have talked about this before, how a lot of the recruits right now that are thinking about Auburn, they've gotten to that point where they like Auburn, they like Brian Harson, they like what they're selling, they like where the future of this program could be, but they're waiting to see if the results are actually going to be here. And they're waiting to see if this program can win under Brian Harson and if Brian Harson can actually implement a winning system into this program. I think he can. I think he will. But we again, we talk about this all the time. When you're a recruit, when you're a 17, 18-year-old kid, you've got to be thinking long-term and you've got to be thinking what's best for your future, not just, well, Auburn's a cool place. Maybe I'll go play there. You've got to be thinking about what's going to be best for you and your future. So uh, look, I mean, it, it makes sense that that's sort of where they are mentally right now. And once they start seeing some wins on the field, like I think are going to come this year, I think good things are going to happen in recruiting. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, you know, if I had to choose one keyword for this recruiting class so far, it's stability. All the recruits, their families, they want to see the stability if it's there at Auburn. And if Auburn shows that with wins this fall, the recruiting success could follow. If Auburn doesn't show it, I don't know if these coaches will necessarily be here. And, right. You know, it'll it'll all be a wash in a sense. So, you know, you want to show stability and you have a chance to do that this fall. Yeah. And, you know, you talk to recruits before and after that they're committed to Auburn. Is that sort of a trend that they've all sort of talked about, whether they're committed here or you're still kind of tracking their recruitment? Has that been a trend for these guys talking about Auburn? Like, has it been consistent through them? It's been a trend with the kids that have committed elsewhere or, you know, have not been willing to hop on board yet. You know, they say they... They like Auburn, but they want to see a little more stability. They want to see it on the field. They want to make sure that these coaches, if they commit here, that these coaches will actually be here when they get here. You know, and it doesn't help that every other school is telling these kids these coaches won't be here. But Auburn has a chance to do that, uh, show that they will be here this fall. And so, you know, the kids that are hopping on board that they're committing now, they're they're choosing to buy in all the way. They believe in completely. um, And I think that's great. And I think those kids should be commended. And I think the kids that want to wait, I think that's perfectly fair, too. There's no reason for people to criticize them for wanting to wait and see if there's stability at Auburn. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I just uh, there's no there's no way in my mind or my heart that I could could blame a 17 or 18 year old kid right now who doesn't want to fully commit their future to Auburn because it is up in the air. It is a giant question mark because in a year from now. Brian Harson may not even be here. We didn't even know he was going to be here right now. And so how could you put your future into something? That is a big question mark. It is a, it is a gamble, right? And you're expecting a 17 or 18-year-old kid to gamble right now. Not too sure that's the smartest move. And I'm not saying that Auburn's not a smart move. I'm just saying you've got to weigh your options and you've got to figure out what's best for you and your future, right? So uh, I think when you're talking about young kids who are trying to prepare for their future and pick a school and a program and a coach that's going to be best for their future, it may not be Brian Harson and Auburn for every single kid, but I think it can be. But ultimately, wins are going to do it. I think Auburn has a good recruiting class right now. We'll see where uh, JC commits tonight. That'll be 5 o'clock. You'll be there so people can keep up with you and everything that you're doing with that. And, uh, and hopefully, he commits to Auburn and it'll be the uh, seventh player of this class. 
yeah, no, I mean, if Auburn gets him, it'll be fantastic for Auburn. I don't know how big of a cornerback class this will really be for Auburn. Um, it'll kind of depend on what happens. You know, Nehemiah Pritchett could come back, but that would be using his COVID year. I kind of don't see that happening. Jalen Simpson is a junior, but, you know, he's viewed, I think, as some by a fringe NFL guy if he stays healthy and has a good season. So, you know, if Nehemiah and Jalen come back, realistically, you don't need a lot of cornerbacks in the class. If those two leave, maybe a guy like a DJ James has a good season or something like that, or, you know, an underclassman chooses to transfer, just whatever happens, maybe you do take some more corners. But for right now, you know, Auburn is looking to pick up the commitment of J.C. Hart, and then you can kind of settle down a little bit at cornerback because it's really not a huge need for you when you have guys like J.D. Rim, Austin Osbury, some uh, studs, Dante Scott. Uh, even A.D. Diamond has picked up a little bit of steam this fall mm-hmm. as well. So you've got players there. You don't need a big class, but Auburn wants to pick up J.C. Hart at least tonight. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's down to Auburn, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and UCF, right? So we'll see how that goes. J.C. Hart set to commit at 5 o'clock tonight, the three-star corner from Lochapoca. We'll see if he commits to Brian Harson and the Tigers. Hey, we are off and running on this Friday edition of On the Line. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, anything you want to hear about Auburn football, Auburn recruiting, we'd love to hear from you. We have Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 in the house for all of our number one. When we come back, question of the day. Then we'll talk about some Auburn football uh, fall practice when we come back. More of the Friday edition of On the Line when we return. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. We have Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 in the house for all of our number one. We're talking all things Auburn football, just talked a little recruiting. We're going to talk fall practice and fall camp coming up in just a couple of minutes. But first, we have a couple of things to talk about, Christian. Uh, phone lines are open, by the way, 334-321-1390. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. I know you saw it. Barrett Salee tweeted out today. Uh, of course, Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. Uh, he tweeted out SEC coaches ranked by who would win in a fight. Okay, he ranked them from like who's going to win and who's going to you know just beat everybody, and then who's just going to get the crap beat out of them. One to fourteen. Are you ready for this? Brian Harson at one. All right, so he has Brian Harson ranked at one, Clark Lee two, Mark Stoops three, Kirby Smart four, Billy Napier at five, Shane Beamer at six, Sam Pittman seven, Lane Kiffin at eight, Eli Drinkwitz at nine, Josh Heupel, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, and then Mike Leach from Mississippi State at the bottom. I mean, I think we can agree. Brian Harson would destroy everybody here, right? In a fist fight, just straight on? Outside of like Clark Lee, probably, yeah. Clark Lee's a hard dude. I I watched him like and heard him speak at, at SEC Media Days. And look, I know he's coaching Vanderbilt. He would get me up and ready to play. There's no doubt. <laughs> no, he definitely would. I thought uh, Sam Pittman could have been a little higher on the list. I don't but know, he, man. He he's, doesn't. He doesn't. I don't think he'd have the stamina to last a couple of fights. But I think you get him in. I one. feel like he. I feel like he's older. No, I mean he's got to be in his. Maybe a little bit, but I don't, I don't know. know. I think he could kick somebody's butt in one fight. But nobody's touching Brian Harson. Have you seen that man? He's absolutely ripped. He worked. And here's the thing, too, is like when I was talking to the players at SEC Media Days, they were talking about how when he asked the players to do workouts and do and do like whether it's stadiums, running stadiums or whatever, he does it with them. 
Like, he works out with the team. And if you look at him, the dude's ripped. I mean, he's unbelievable. Yeah, no, he does, He does like, all the workouts. Uh, I was asking Tank Bigsby at Media Days, you know, if Harson ever beats him. And he, he said Harson runs with the offensive and defensive linemen a little bit more. So we got to put a little bit of stock into that. <laughs> but, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, he does. He's because of who he is and his age and, you know, being a former quarterback and stuff like that, he is one of the few head coaches that – really gets active and gets involved with the workouts and i think that's good for the players yeah absolutely it gets them kind of fired up to see you know if he's doing it i gotta be on my game he can't be beating me right yeah exactly and i think too it's not you know the players see it as well he's not just telling me what to do we're all going to get better together like you can understand he's trying to make you better and the coaches are trying to make you better but when your head coach says okay put on the weighted vest we're going to run steps at the stadium and he picks one up and puts it on and runs with you I mean that makes you feel good as a player that makes you feel good knowing okay he's not just telling me what to do he's going to do it with me we're all going to get better together but look when you talk about if the SEC coaches do it like WWE style you start with two of them and then the other one they ring in and their music comes and he starts running down the lane and he comes in and then you got three of them and you eventually get all 14 of them I mean Brian Harson made take them all one-on-one and just destroy them all look Mike Leach from Mississippi State no I don't think so you know who got disrespected was Brian Kelly at 13 I feel like Brian Kelly can hold his own a little bit more than 13th he put Nick Saban above Brian Kelly in a fist fight (laughs) I don't think that's happening probably not Nick Saban's old I mean he's up there like let's just be honest he's he's up he's up there in some age Brian Kelly could take Nick Saban Nick Saban could find a way, though. <laughs> you you really don't think that Brian no, Kelly Brian could Kelly beat Nick Saban? Him. No, Brian Kelly would take him. Josh Heupel down there at 10? I don't know. I'd put, I'd put Lane Kiffin a little bit higher, maybe. He's at 8. He's right there in the middle. Uh, I don't know who I'd put him over, necessarily, though. But yeah, I, I'd agree yeah true. Kirby Smart at 4? Come on, now. I don't know about that. Mark Stoops, definitely. I like him at 3, for sure. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. People have had a, a field day with it on Twitter. I think yeah, it's hilarious. Football has picked it up. You yeah, know, and they, like tweeted that, yeah. Yeah, they tweeted out that. Yeah, they tweeted out that that uh, photo of Harson sitting in this. Uh, it looks like his garage in his weight room, and he's just ripped, and he's got a, a hoodie <laughs> on. It's just yeah, they had a lot of fun with it. But wanted to get your take. I think it's a lot of fun. It's it's those types of things that get you ready for football season. It's it's dumb polls and conversations like that that make it so much fun that's what makes college football what it is and speaking of that a little bit uh while we have a couple of minutes we were talking about it during the break the uh the cat fight going on in lexington yesterday (laughs) between mark stoops and john calipari what'd you think about that yeah i mean it's it's a bad look it's a horrible look can't it's so bad you you can say you're a basketball school without throwing the football part under the bus and then you know it's a great opportunity you know you saw harson tweet out the picture with Bruce saying everything's school, we're a family, something yep. like that. It's a great opportunity for every other school to just trash on Kentucky basketball and football. You know, it's a great opportunity for other programs to do that. So it's just I, – I, I imagine Cal didn't mean for it to come out like that. He wasn't probably – I necessarily- don't know. Knowing John Calipari, I feel like he definitely meant it. Now, did he mean for it to be heard by everybody? Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I don't think he meant for it to come out exactly how it did. Because it completely threw the football team under the bus. But it was entertaining to watch, you know, seeing Stoops actually jump in with it. And also former players, you know, you saw football players actually doing it and stuff like that. I think it was uh, the former punter, Max Duffy, that was like, hey, we didn't lose to St. Peter's. Oh, like God. That. I didn't see that. That's yeah, hilarious. It's like, oh, boy. Like, 
that's just a really bad look. Like they're gonna have to over the next like week, they're gonna have to right do social media stuff. They're gonna have to do so much to try and clean that up. Yeah, it's it's bad. If you missed it, John Calipari yesterday basically called out the football team and said, "Look, Alabama's a football school, Georgia's a football school, but Kentucky, we're a basketball school." He's trying to get more funds for basketball and trying to get a new practice facility uh, for basketball, and just absolutely threw the football team under the bus. And then Mark Stoops, the head coach for Kentucky football, he jumped on Twitter and said, well, don't we compete in the SEC? And he just, uh, four straight postseason wins, right? It was it was something else. Look, not, that's not happening at Auburn. That's all I'm saying. Like you said, yeah. Harson and Bruce, they get along just fine. And I think uh, Auburn basketball, they never say anything like that about football. Hey, we're halfway through hour number one. Stay tuned. We're going to talk fall camp with Christian Clemente when we come back. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. We've got Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 in the house for 30 more minutes. Uh, We've talked a lot of Auburn football recruiting as it is commitment day for J.C. Hart, the three-star corner out of Lochapoca. He is uh, committing tonight at 5 o'clock, so we've talked about that. We also talked about how Brian Harson would beat every other SEC head coach in a fist fight, so it's been a great show so far, but (laughs) now that that we have some time, we're going to talk about fall camp and what we've seen so far, what you've seen so far from fall practice so we're going to get into that here in just a minute but phone lines are open we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that's the number to put you through to us call in anything on your mind comments questions concerns we'd love to hear from you as we have christian clemente here for all of our number one give us a call 334-321-1390 that's the number to put you through to us call in be a part of the show be on the line 334-321-1390 Well, Christian, you have been to more practices than I have. I have not been able to make it out to all of them, unfortunately. Got to go yesterday, saw some good things. But before we start getting into specifics for uh, practices and players' positions, just your overall thoughts so far from fall practice and fall camp for Auburn. Yeah, I think it's been – whoa, my headset just started working. It wasn't working (laughs) earlier in the show. Um, No, I think it's been a really good um, and successful – well, you know, you, we've only seen a little bit. I don't, I don't want to go too far. You know, they b- just barely put the pads on. Tomorrow is going to be the first scrimmage, but so far I've seen encouraging things. Uh, the wide receivers have really stuck out to me. Um, you know, that was a group that we talked about. There was a ton of dialogue, obviously, last season with the wide receivers struggling pretty mightily, I think is fair to say. A lot of off-season dialogue of people wanting to bring new receivers in. Um, the change to Ike Hilliard at receiver coach, stuff like that. And I think that's a fantastic-looking room. Um, you don't have a ton of experience there outside of a guy like a Shedrick Jackson, Javarius Johnson to some extent. So you don't have a ton of experience, but you just have a lot of players that I think are all really talented. And it's almost a struggle in a sense to figure out where everybody fits and how do you get guys on the field because you want to get almost all these guys on the field. Right. You know, you have a guy like Camden Brown who's gonna he's kind of become the darling of fall camp so far. He's just stuck out because of his size, his playmaking ability, stuff like that. Um so you have to figure out how you get him on the field, you know, Landon King um playing that big slot role. 
have to figure out how you get him on the field. I wasn't there at practice yesterday, um, but Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, I was reading his his observations and some of our observations as well. And you know, they did some drills, uh, pace drill, kind of simulating mm-hmm. um, a drive. And you know, he said that it's Tavarish and Javarius Johnson that are kind of leading the way at slot. But as soon as they got into the red zone, it was Landon King that came into the mm-hmm. game at slot. So you have a ton of different receivers. All wrapping back to the original question, you know, the receivers have been the biggest thing that have stuck out to me so far. Quarterbacks, it's pretty much been evenly split four ways. To yeah, be it has. Yeah. It really has. I think yesterday, I was at practice yesterday, it was more Calzada, Finley, a little bit of Ashford. Garner got some, but maybe not a ton. Uh, but for the most part, it has been pretty even. Yeah, no. It, uh, after tomorrow's scrimmage, that's when it's really going to start. You're probably going to pick two after the scrimmage, and those guys are really going to rep first and second. Um, and, you know, the other guys will still get their reps, obviously, but you, there comes a point in time where you have to start focusing on a couple guys, and then you have to start focusing on one guy, obviously. So um, I think the quarterbacks have looked good all in different areas. Um, Robbie is – he makes some crazy plays in practice and pace drills and stuff like that, and he also makes some – errant plays as well but that's kind of what you're getting in his play style and stuff like that he's also that that's a play style that doesn't necessarily excel in a practice but you get him in a game setting and he's just a he's just a playmaker out there we saw it yeah we saw it on a day um holden has honestly really really impressed me um i don't, I don't think he's competing for the starting job necessarily this year i think he's a red shirt guy um but he looks like a guy that really could take over in the future he throws an incredible deep ball i've seen multiple 40 50 yard passes down the field just on the dot right where they need to be so he's really impressed me um i think zach you know, every, i think most people view him as the favorite and i think it's pretty clear why when you watch him in practice his arm talent i think just stands out above it, the rest it's so crazy i talked about that yesterday uh, i talked about it yesterday from practice because calzada can just absolutely sling the football i mean just when he throws it it gets there like that it's just it, there's no time in between it re- from released from his hand from into the receiver's hands i mean it's just it's it's split second he throws it so hard so fast so good in a spiral um i just think he can absolutely sling the football yeah he was described by me uh or to me by someone in the program as being like kind of a brett Favre type mm-hmm. player and, you know, they said, you know, sometimes you have to be careful with that because sometimes he will try and force throws and he just he, he tries to bite off a little bit too much. Um, and so they kind of have to reel that in a little bit. Certain yeah, you times, heard it but... here first. Christian says that uh, Zach Calzada is the next Brett Favre. That's what you said. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding. But no, I did talk about that, too, because. He does throw it so hard and so fast that I feel like he is going to try and fit it in those tight holes sometimes, especially maybe in the back of the end zone or down the sideline, something like that. And I feel like that could get him in trouble at times because he knows he can throw it that hard and throw it that fast and fit it in those holes, but not every time. I mean, people are going to figure out how to close in on that, and they're going to know he's going to try and fit that in there, and you can't do it every time. Yeah, well, you saw it a little bit last year at Texas A&M. There was a streak there towards the beginning of the season, kind of when he took over, where he threw, I think he threw a pick in every single game. Um, but then he started to clean that up a little bit. And, you know, I've Nathan King did a fantastic story uh, with our site in the offseason, talking to his trainer and stuff like that, how Zach in the offseason completely breaks down his throwing fundamentals and goes all the way back to the very basics and then rebuilds it back up to kind of see different things. And he does that he every year? He does that every year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So he kind of goes back to square one and then builds it all the way back up. So it's kind of an interesting different thing. Um, 
and I think that can be beneficial to him. And then, you know, we haven't talked about TJ as well. I think TJ has actually had a pretty decent fall camp, in all honesty. You know, outside of a couple of errant throws, I haven't seen too many of them. He's been... There were a couple yesterday. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Why they were doing some okay. red zone stuff, and there was a couple yesterday where, uh, between wide receivers and tight ends, they were running different routes into the end zone, and he uh, there was a couple throws where he overthrew it, and I feel like that's what happens with him. He just gets so much on it sometimes that he just he just throws it over their head. That's been the biggest... The, when I have seen the errant throws, it's been overthrows. But or, not many of them. Yeah. Not many. Yeah, but also, you know, it is a practice setting. Um, I think the scrimmage tomorrow will, you know, once we get information and talk with Harson afterwards, that'll give us a lot of information on kind of where the quarterback race stands. Um, but I, I mean, I would still probably favor Zach Calzada as of right now. Yeah, I think I would too. I mean, I there's no doubt if people have been listening to this show, they know that I think Zach Calzada is going to be the starting quarterback. But you know, I, I, th- I do think there's some talent in that quarterback room between Calzada, Finley, Ashford, Garner. I think there's some really good talent there. And uh, yesterday was the first time I got to see them in person uh, watching practice and didn't get to see any deep ball drills. That's just not what they were doing in the 30 minutes that we got to be there. Uh, but you know, a lot of shorter stuff. And what we had heard and saw from the earlier practices was some of the timing issues between receivers, tight ends, and the quarterbacks. Yesterday, for the most part, what I saw, timing really wasn't an issue. Everything seemed to be pretty clean. I know you weren't there yesterday, but uh, timing seemed to be okay yesterday. And, you know, that's super, super important. That's what these practices are for. But I also talked about how important it is to get a starting quarterback named as soon as possible because you want the you want the main receivers to be working with the main quarterback not four different guys yeah absolutely um and kind of on that I think it was Tuesday's practice where we went and there it, it was not great and I, the players and the coaches have said that you know I Killiard said it on Wednesday that Tuesday was not a great day of practice now keep in mind we only see a very short window 20 25 30 minutes or so which is great, but we only get to see a little window. You know that that could just be a bad part of the practice, just bad little part or whatever. Um, but then I Killiard said on Wednesday that Wednesday was one of their best practices for the receivers, and you know everybody kind of bounced back pretty well. Um, so, but but to your point, yeah, you definitely need to try and start narrowing things down, and really need to try and identify one guy here soon. And I think tomorrow's scrimmage will be crucial for that. Get them in a you know the quarterbacks aren't going to go truly live but get them in a mostly live environment and kind of see what happens well I think after tomorrow like you said I think that the quarterback race will probably be narrowed down a little bit and then after the second scrimmage I think that's when the quarterback should be named I really do I think that should be when uh, you have your starting quarterback, you're a week or two, however long that is, uh, from that point to the start of the season. Look, you're not fooling anybody. You're not going to, I mean, you're playing Mercer week one. You're not trying to fool them on who your starting quarterback is. I just think it's really important for the starter to be named as soon as possible. You do want to have a competition because you do want to make it fair and you do want to see who the best option is and who gives you the best chance to win football games. But I think it's so important for the starting quarterback to be named as soon as you can because, like I said, that gives your team a chance to work with the starting quarterback and know this is their guy. Let's rally around him a little bit and um, and see what he can do and let's play this thing as a team with our starting quarterback as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. And I think Auburn's staff knows that. I, I They haven't said, you know, we have an official timeline on when we want to name a starter, stuff like that, but I'm sure they have dates time kind of roughly in mind in terms of when they want to do that 
and you know they've already talked about it um harson has said it and some other people i've talked to have said it as well that you know once they do name a starter they're gonna you know they're gonna make sure people know about it that it's gonna be a lot of pressure on that starter you know we haven't gotten to talk media availability with any of the quarterbacks so far i'm sure we'll talk with the starter once once they're named um they're gonna put the pressure on this player because you know they need to be able to deal with the pressure on and off the field so you know we'll kind of see but i roughly kind of the timeline you were given after the second mm-hmm. scrimmage stuff like that i think that's when we'll really start to see some change yeah and you were talking about the wide receivers how great is ike hilliard as a, as a wide receiver coach man he i just think he's fantastic yeah no he's really good um and we talked with malcolm johnson jr today um in an availability and um someone was asking you know is ike hilliard ever raised his voice at you and he's like no no not really yeah but that, he, that's what i've heard yeah but he said you know that ike will um you know, you know, if he says something, you know, and they're watching film and he rewinds it and he's like, guys, we got to do better here. He's like that, that hits really hard. Um, and I, I think I kill has been fantastic. There were maybe some questions when you hired him in terms of, will he be able to adjust to college? Will he be able to recruit? Well, he already brought in Carmelo English and he was the primary reason why Auburn got Carmelo English. Um, these wide receivers seem to love him. You've seen a really really strong fall camp out of the receivers so far and everybody speaks very highly of him so uh, i mean i think he's been really really good for that room yeah i think he's great man i mean i again i haven't had a ton of opportunities to see him and the impact that he has but in the practice i watched yesterday i mean he he was just doing things as a wide receiver coach that I'd never really seen before, but in a good way. He's running different types of drills. Like you said, he's not over there just yelling, getting after him. He's not like a defensive coach, right? He's not just, just yelling and raising his voice and making them get really intense. He's doing technique drills, and he's doing little things to help them get better. And I just think he's so, so great. I think he's going to be a huge impact on the current wide receivers, the wide receiver room, and future wide receivers uh, for Auburn as well. Let's talk a little bit of the defensive side of the football. We've talked a lot of offense. Uh, a couple of defensive players or positions that have really caught your eye through fall camp. Ooh. Um, I've got mine. I know you have yours. Okay. Um, safety, Caden Bridges is impressed. I was curious to see. You know, He picked up some momentum in the spring. I wasn't sure if that would carry over in terms of you know bringing some other guys in like Craig McDonald and whatnot. It seems to have. He's been getting kind of a lot of – he's been getting a lot of first-team reps um, alongside Zion Puckett um cornerback i'm trying to think jd rim has been good keontae scott has been really really good since he came in you know he reported like two days before fall camp but he's been fantastic linebacker um definitely cam riley he looks fantastic out there he uh we talked with him today and he probably had the quote of the day saying he's feeling more beefy now (laughs) um i love it and defensive line it would be really hard for me to pick just one guy because i love everybody on that defensive Mm -hmm. line to be honest you know the edge guys, uh, the main two are very talented, and then you've got some solid backups there as well. You're a little thin, but you still you feel okay there. And I feel like that's the word right now is thin on the defensive side, not talent. You've got plenty of talent. It's just how deep are they at each position? Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit of a worry. Outside of like defensive tackle slash D end, you know, where you have about a million players there. Yes. Um, you know, if a guy like an Owen Papo or a Nehemiah Pritchett or a Zion Puckett or a Derek Hall. If a leader at one of the you know the edge linebacker corner safety, if a leader there goes down, you might be in a little bit more trouble. But as for your starters, you know you feel really really good. Um, you feel good about the edge guys. You feel good about the linebacker. You feel really good that you have Owen Papo, and then you've got Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, um, Desmond Tisdall, Eugene Asante. Whoever steps up and plays the most alongside him, you feel pretty good there. 
corner, you feel good. Safety, you feel pretty good. Um, and then the defensive line, I mean, you're stacked. Kobe Wooden, Marcus Harris, Jason Jones, Jeffrey Emba, Marquise Burks. Massive human beings. That's yes. what I figured out yesterday. Like those, And obviously the defensive line, they're always going to be big, but the ones that Auburn have right now, they're massive, and that's in a good way. They are huge. Yeah, they're huge, but they're also very athletic. You know, exactly. Jason Jones is huge. He's also pretty athletic. Jeffrey Emba is an absolute freak in terms of his size and speed and <laughs> yes, he just is. his ability. So. Um, you know, if I had to pick one room on defense that's really impressed me so far, I guess I'd probably go the defensive line. Mm-hmm. But that's just simply because, like, I've thought really highly of that defensive line room the whole way through. You know, right. They brought in – I mean, even the Memphis transfer, Morris Joseph, has impressed as well in practice, and he's gotten some praise from coaches. And it's almost easy to forget about him just because of how many players you have there. You have so many defensive linemen that are all good. And it gives you the luxury of rotating a lot more because last year they didn't rotate. And in certain games, you know, Kobe Wooden and Marcus Harris, they can't play the full game. They just can't. And Auburn You're was, not supposed to be able to do that. Yeah. And Auburn was relying on them a little too much and they would get tired at the end of games. Now you don't have to rely on them too much. And, you know, you do rotate them and you don't really see that significant of a drop off in terms of talent level. Yeah, there's so much talent. That's the thing I'm trying to get people to learn and understand is there's so much talent. And I talked about it yesterday. The defensive side of the football, in my opinion, is not going to be a worrisome for Auburn this upcoming season. Let's take our final break here at hour number one. When we come back, we'll wrap up our conversation with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 when we come back here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We have Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 with us for the next uh, about three minutes or so, my friend. Uh, we are uh, talking about Auburn football recruiting. We've been talking Auburn football fall camp so far, what we've seen, what we've liked. And uh, again, for those of you that are unaware, uh, it is commitment day for J.C. Hart, the three-star corner from Lochapoca. He will be uh, committing today at 5 o'clock. So uh, Auburn seems to be the favorite there. He's picking between Auburn, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and UCF. So make sure you keep it up with Christian. He will be there as J.C. Hart commits. But uh, Christian, again, We've got you for a couple of more minutes here. Uh, as fall camp continues on, we are 22 days away from from the football season beginning. We have first scrimmage on Saturday. What are some? It is closed to the media, but what are some of the things that you're wanting to hear from Brian Harson about how the scrimmage goes? Yeah, I want to hear about obviously the quarterbacks. That's what everyone wants to hear about. Um, but I want to hear about the offense as a whole. You know, usually the defense is pretty dominant in first and even second scrimmages um, just because usually the defense, um, I don't know, I just feel like it's easier for the defense to kind of pick things up a little bit quicker and whatnot. Um, so I want to hear about the offense. I want to hear about if the quarterbacks find a connection with the wide receivers. I want to really hear if there's any big plays specifically to the wide receivers, whether it's a long throw down the field, a receiver catching a slot and taking it you know, 30, 40 yards, stuff like that. That's stuff we didn't see from Auburn all that often last year, and I want to see if they're able to do that this year, which I – I think they can with the talent that they have. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, you know, obviously it's tough to, it's tough to judge what is going to happen and then what happens because we're not actually there. So we only really get what, what they tell us. But 
Uh, I think, you know, you're looking for quarterback separation, right? You're looking for those one or two guys to to make the name for themselves and separate themselves a little bit from the four-man competition that we've got going on right now. On the offensive side, yeah, I think is timing an issue between quarterback and receiver? Is timing an issue between quarterback and tight end? How involved are the tight ends early on in this scrimmage, right? How well does the offensive line hold up against that so talented defensive line that we talked about in the last segment? Defensive side, does the secondary get challenged right I think that kind of goes for the offensive side you were talking about some deep balls in and some slant routes whatever catches and yards after the catch does the secondary get tested a little bit because if there is one area on the defense that you're kind of worried about it is the secondary but I think overall that's what I want to see is it's on the offensive side I'm not worried about the defense I don't think you are either everybody's going to have their eyes on the offense yeah and you made a good point I've almost honestly been forgetting about the offensive line a little bit just because it's pretty much the same group but i am curious to kind of hear how they perform yeah Uh, i mean eyes are on them it's now or never for the offensive line well christian we are up against our break here at hour number one thank you so much for coming in man we really do appreciate it let everybody know where they can keep up with you it's about to get busy for you yeah so we've got a ton of stuff over at auburnundercover.com or auburn247.com either those links will get you there um and then along with on twitter at c clemente 247 excellent man hey you do great work we appreciate you coming in we'll have you in a lot more for football season as we get closer and closer uh safe travels over to the commitment today i'm uh, hoping we have some good news coming up in just a couple of hours for jc hard uh committing to auburn hopefully we'll see how it goes hour number one officially in the book stay tuned we got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny Friday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one, officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two, officially underway here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to uh, Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. We had him in studio for all of our number one, talking Auburn football recruiting, uh, Auburn football fall camp practice notes, uh, fall practice notes, and so all of that and more from our number one. So if you missed any of that, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. So make sure you go and find that. Again, just search on the line wherever 
wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can go to ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. Click on the Podcast Center, and you can find all of my previous shows, including today after the show. Uh, You can find it all right there. So, again, we had Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 here in the studio talking all things Auburn football recruiting and updates from fall camp. So, a good, good hour with Christian. Love having him in the studio. And uh, again, if you missed it, be sure and go back and listen to that. He gives great information on all of that. Well, phone lines are open here in hour number two. Give me a call. What's on your mind? 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We uh, will talk, we'll have making headlines in the second half of the hour. So at 3.30, Lindsey Crosby from MLB or Locked On MLB Prospects and Auburn Daily. He'll be joining me in studio. We'll be talking uh, MLB baseball. We'll be talking about that. Uh, I'm sure we will touch on the uh, Little League World Series. That'll be getting cranked up for uh, for the youngins. So we'll be talking about that as well. Uh, talking about the Atlanta Braves, talking MLB, all of that good stuff. Lindsey Crosby, uh, the host of the Locked On MLB prospects podcast he will be joining me at 3 30 here in the studio well let's get started here in hour number two like we always do with making headlines here on friday august 12th 2022 again we had christian clemente in the house for hour number one we talked about auburn football recruiting and it is slowing down a little bit this is about the time of the year uh between summer and the season getting started that uh, recruiting sort of slows down a little bit and for Auburn they still have one guy on their radar for today there is a guy his name is JC Hartz he is uh, out of Lochapoca he will be committing today at five o'clock he is down to Auburn Vanderbilt Mississippi State and UCF he's a three-star corner uh, just down the road so he will be committing today at five o'clock and Auburn is the favorite. Auburn is the one receiving crystal balls. Um, Christian Clemente gave his crystal ball for him uh, for Auburn. So expected to... Oh my goodness, excuse me. I had to I had to sneeze. I'm sorry about that. But again, talking about J.C. Hart, and uh, he is expected to commit to Auburn. Obviously, nothing is 100%, but... That is the uh, prediction right now for the three-star corner from just down the road. Look, he's only a three-star, but that's still a fantastic ranking. And I liked what Christian had to say back in the first hour when we were talking about this. He said, rankings only matter for recruiting. Once you get to Auburn, the ranking doesn't matter anymore. Your, Your stars doesn't matter. Your number doesn't matter anymore. Because once you're here, you're here. And this kid, uh, this kid ran a 4.37, okay, a 4.37 40-yard dash. That is extremely fast, folks. That's faster than any of us could run one. And look, he runs, he runs really fast. He's very athletic. He's got the height, right? He has those things that you cannot teach in a corner. And I think he has a lot of upside, a lot of potential. He will be joining a class in the 2023 class that may not be super cornerback heavy. That's something that Christian talked about in the first hour as well. 
how there may not be a ton of corners in this class. And this would only be the seventh guy in the 2023 class. And I'm sure there's a lot of you that are still worried about that and still questioning where is everybody? Why does other schools have 20 or 25 guys and Auburn has seven, right? That is a concern that you can have. But I think as the season goes on, more and more uh, people will, and more and more guys are going to start committing to this team and to this class and to this program. We talk about it all the time. Winning cures all. And the recruits have gotten to that point. They are waiting on the wins to come. And when they do, I think the recruits will follow with it. J.C. Hart is set to commit today. Uh, He is, again, he's from right up the road. He's a three-star corner. And the the Lochapoca corner is expected to commit to Auburn today. Uh, He's a 4.0 GPA student. He, again, he has offers from Vanderbilt. Christian was saying he has offers from some big-time Ivy League schools like Yale uh, to go up there and go to school. So the kid is extremely smart. And ultimately, uh, he will set his or he has his commitment. It will be this afternoon at five o'clock. I expect him to commit to Auburn. I think everybody's pretty confident in that. And so that would be the seventh player for Auburn's 2023 class. Again, don't get hung up on the stars. Don't get hung up on the ratings here. This guy is very good, has a lot of potential, and I think he'll be a great addition to the 2023 class. Moving on in making headlines here on Friday, August 12th, 2022. Football season is upon us. We are 22 days away from Auburn kicking off the season. The countdown to kickoff continues as we are 22 days away from September 3rd when Auburn starts the season. Of course, they have their uh, scrimmage, their first scrimmage tomorrow. Uh, they will be closed off to the, to, the, uh, to the media, to the public, obviously. So that will not be an open scrimmage. But some things that we're looking for that I will be looking for uh, from from what Brian Harson and the coaches have to say, looking for some separation, right, in the quarterback room, looking for one or two guys to separate themselves and become the guy. I think Zach, or excuse me, Zach Calzada is going to be that guy. I don't expect a starter to be named after the scrimmage tomorrow, uh, but I do expect it to, instead of four guys getting the same amount of reps, I think one or two of them should start getting some more reps, right? I think it'll end up probably being uh, Zach Calzada and TJ Finley fighting for that starting role. And so that's what I'm looking for tomorrow. Also, uh, Christian and I talked about, I'm looking for and again, we're only being told what happens because we are not able to see it, but uh, I'm looking for timing to be a big, big part in what happens tomorrow with the quarterbacks and the receivers and then the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Are they on the same page? Are we all playing on the same uh, are we all playing on the same level right now, right? Or is timing there between quarterbacks and receivers are they getting open are they catching the football are they making an impact on the field that's the big thing for me tomorrow and again I think the I think the highlight right now is on the offense I think the offense is the one that everybody is concerned about not that there's not talent on that side because there is but the defense is so stacked right now for Auburn that I'm not worried about it I'm really really not worried about the defensive side of the ball because There's so much talent. Now, what I am worried about is the depth on that side, right? We talk about that a lot, where 
the depth of the defensive side of the football is a big question mark because if some of the big name guys, uh, God forbid, do end up getting hurt, then Auburn's a little thin over there. But the starters and even some of the second guys are going to be just absolute monsters. And I think the defensive side of the football is going to be just fine. Does the defense dominate tomorrow in the scrimmage? We're going to find that out as well. Uh, I think the I think the defense will have a better day just because I think there is more talent on that side of the ball. I think there's some more experience on that side of the ball and and ultimately I just think right now I think the defense is probably better than the offense. But again, the offensive side doesn't even know who the quarterback is. So that's sort of expected. But the scrimmage is tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Of course, on Monday, we'll talk and uh, we'll, we'll talk about what happened at the scrimmage. And we'll break it all down uh, here on the Monday edition of On the Line next week. But football season is here as we're 22 days away from Auburn University starting. So tomorrow will be the three-week mark for that. Uh, we are... Let's see, two weeks away from college football in general starting. Remember, we have week zero games, uh, Vanderbilt being one of those games playing Hawaii. There's a couple of more games uh, that Saturday in that week zero lineup. High school football getting underway. Lee Scott Academy, we start on Thursday night at Chambers. Of course, Auburn High plays on Friday, playing Hoover. So that's a big-time matchup. High school football is literally next week. And then NFL preseason. It's already here, folks. NFL preseason games have started up. There was a game or two last night. There's some more tonight. There's some more tomorrow. And so football season is upon us. And not that uh, NFL preseason is the most exciting thing, that you've ever seen in the world but it is football and so if you do have a favorite team whether it be the Saints or the Falcons down here and the Titans in this area or whoever it may be football is on TV again and just for the record I talked about the Baltimore Ravens having a crazy dumb winning streak in the preseason yeah they won again last night they win 23 to 10 they win yet again in the preseason so look if you're a betting man I'm just saying, you may want to look at the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not telling you to do it, but you may want to take a peek and see what the Baltimore Ravens have cooking up in the preseason. Moving on in making headlines here on Friday, August 12th, 2022, giving you a little uh, Atlanta Braves update. Not a ton because I do want to talk to Lindsey Crosby about the Atlanta Braves and talk about the MLB as a whole with the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. But looking at the Atlanta Braves as they are 66 and 46, you look at the schedule, they're coming off of the two-game series win at Boston. They are now taking on the Miami. Marlins in a four-game series in Miami. That starts tonight, 540, and then they play tomorrow at 1210. They play a doubleheader tomorrow, so they play at 12 tomorrow and at 6 tomorrow, and then they play at 1240 on Sunday before coming back home, and they start a four-game stretch against the New York Mets. We all know how big that series is. We all know the impact of these next few series for the Atlanta Braves because they have fallen back a little bit of the of the New York Mets in that uh, National League East. They are still seven games back of the New York Mets. Not that the Braves have been playing bad, but the Mets have been playing just as good. And so the the series against the Mets that the Braves are only able to take one game, that hurt them a lot. And they fell back quite a bit. They have an opportunity to get some of those games back coming up early next week. We'll see how it goes. We'll talk a lot more about that with Lindsey Crosby coming up in just a little bit. And of course next week when that series does go down against the New York Mets. And then right after that, it's the Houston 
Houston Astros. So big, big series for Atlanta coming up in the next couple of weeks. But this weekend, take care of business against the Miami Marlins. That's all you can do. You look at where the Marlins are. They are 50 and 61. They're 22 and a half games back of the New York Mets in that division. These are divisional games, though. These are big-time games for the Braves. you got to get some wins. Go down here, win the series, take care of business, because you can't afford to drop any more games before you play the New York Mets. It's not getting any easier for the Braves. you got to take care of business and win some games when you're supposed to. Well, that is it for making headlines here on Friday, August 12th, 2022. Like I said, big, big thank you to uh, Christian Clemente, who came in for the entire hour number one uh, from Auburn 247 at auburnundercover.com. We talked all things Auburn football recruiting, Auburn football fall camp, Uh, talked to him about the position groups he's excited about, the ones that have stood out to him at fall practice. Uh, Of course, we talked about J.C. Hart, the three-star corner who will be committing this afternoon or this evening, whatever you want to say, at 5 o'clock from down the road at uh, at Lochapoca. He is committing between Auburn, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and uh, UCF. That's right. I keep forgetting they're in there too. Uh, he will commit at 5 o'clock. Christian is heading that way. He will be there, so make sure you keep up with all that. Reminder, we're going to have Lindsey Crosby, the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. He will be joining me at 3.30 here in the studio talking all things MLB uh, Atlanta Braves, and a whole lot more. So we have so much more coming up here on this Friday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open, though. Give me a call. What's on your mind? 334-321-1390. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind, give me a call. Be on the line. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Question of the day. We talked to Christian about it earlier, and it's more on the fun side. It, it, it really is a dumb question, but it's so much fun to talk about. Uh, Barrett Salee from CBS Sports, he tweeted out earlier today, and it has caught on so much traction uh, on Twitter. It is his, his uh, SEC football coaches' rankings based off of who would win in a fist fight. <laughs> that is, uh, that's the list that he tweeted out. And uh, look, it, it's, it's weird, right? It, but it's hilarious. And it, again, it's caught a lot of traction on Twitter. And so here's the list that he tweeted out, ranking the SEC football head coaches 1-14 to 14 based off of who would win in a fist fight, okay? It is, we'll start from the bottom and work our way up. So starting at 14, it's Mike Leach from Mississippi State. Then it's Brian Kelly at 13. 12 is Nick Saban. 11 is Jimbo Fisher. 10 is Josh Heupel. 11, or excuse me, 9 is from Eli Drinkwitz. 8 is Lane Kiffin. 7 is Sam Pittman. 6 is Shane Beamer. 5 is Billy Napier. 4 is Kirby Smart. 3 is Mark Stoops. 2 is Clark Lee. And that's right. Number one is Brian Harson. So Barrett Salee, he uh, he thinks Brian Harson would win in a in a uh, in a fist fight against any of those guys. And look, I agree, man. I absolutely agree. Look at Brian Harson. The man is ripped. He's probably one of the younger guys on that list. And overall, he's definitely the most 
a shredded guy on this list. I mean, if you see the photos of him that Auburn tweets out and him working out with the team, like this guy is very, very uh, fit and in shape. And uh, and look, he should be. He works out with the team. And <coughs> excuse me. Uh, one thing that I think is is really really key that I've talked about a ton is that when he when he has his players do specific drills and workouts he does it with them and he obviously cares about being in shape he cares about his body which is really important especially for a head football coach I think it 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 sends a very good message that your head football coach wants to be in shape and wants to be you know wants to be uh fit and working out with his team and physically able to do the things that he's asking of his team but uh yeah I absolutely think Brian Harson could smoke any of these guys Clark Lee from Vanderbilt he uh look I, I watched him speak at at SEC media days he's a sharp dude and I think he could he could handle his own Mark Stoops from Kentucky maybe maybe not Kirby Smart I'm not too confident in him winning in a fist fight I'm going to be really honest with you um yeah, yeah, I think, uh, look, Kirby, I'm not too sure, man. I just don't know. I just, I don't know. I just don't think he wins in too many fist fights against the rest of these guys. Billy Napier, I think he should be like two or three. I think Billy Napier, he can hold his own. Sam Pittman, uh, Christian tried to, tried to tell me that Sam Pittman could be higher on this list. I just don't think so. Eli Drinkwitz, you never know what you're going to get. Josh Heupel, maybe a little bit higher, right? Jimbo Fisher, no, I think he would just, he would get punched really hard. I feel like he would just say something, make somebody mad, and he's just going to get himself in a fight. Brian Kelly got absolutely disrespected on this list. There's no doubt about it. Brian Kelly is so disrespected on this list of SEC coaches that would win in a fist fight. Having Nick Saban above Brian Kelly, that is ridiculous. You can't tell me otherwise. It's unbelievable. Uh, as uh, <laughs> We have uh, Lindsey Crosby coming on here in just a couple of minutes, and he texted me. He said, Kirby Smart is way too high on this list. I agree, man. Kirby Smart's way too high on this man four there's no shot in my opinion absolutely no shot but look it's dumb conversations like this that get you excited for football season and as we are 22 days away we're talking about fall practice we're talking fall camp we're talking recruiting but it's always fun to have these types of conversations right you you come up with a, a weird list like this from Barrett Salib talking about SEC coaches ranked by who would win in a fight. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? But it's awesome, and it's so cool to talk about. But hey, there's something to be proud of, Auburn fans. Brian Hartson, he's ranked first on a list, and it's in uh, fist fighting for SEC head coaches. So uh, always fun to talk about this type of stuff. It, again, it's out of left field, right? But it is a lot of fun to talk about. Also, something that uh, came up yesterday, we talked with Christian about it back in the first hour, was the uh, the quote-unquote cat fight that's going on in Lexington right now with John Calipari and Mark Stoops. I would love to have Lance Dahl on the show and talk to him because he hosts the Locked On Kentucky podcast. I'd love to have him on and talk about this situation with John Calipari uh, talking talking bad about the football team, really. And and look, whether whether what he said he meant it or not or if it came out the way he meant it to or not, Bottom line is he said it, right? He's trying to raise money and get a new practice facility for Kentucky basketball. Okay, that's fine. He's trying to get a new facility for basketball. He's trying to keep Kentucky basketball uh, 
uh, up to date. It's an arms race in college athletics. We know that. We know how that goes. You have to have the nicest facilities if you want to get the best players. Now, you have to, obviously, you got to win. You got to have great coaches, all of that. But facilities matter. And if you don't put money into those facilities, you're not going to get the best players because they want to use the best equipment, right? That's what John Calipari's trying to do for Kentucky. That's fine. I get it. That's completely normal. You want to have the best facilities. But throwing your football team under the bus to try to do it, that's not the way. Okay, I can promise you that is not the way to get more money or to get your way by any means if you're John Calipari. He came out and said, look, Alabama, they're a football school. Georgia, they're a football school. Kentucky, we are a basketball school. And he said, I wish all the luck to our football team. I hope they get 10 wins. But we're a basketball school. And Mark Stoops was not happy. He took to Twitter yesterday, and he was like, I thought we competed in the SEC. Hashtag four straight postseason wins. Look, Mark Stoops was not happy about it, and he shouldn't be happy. That's ridiculous. We all know that Kentucky is historically, it's historically a basketball school. You don't have to remind anybody of that, that Kentucky's a basketball school, right? We all know that. It, it always has been. And you know what? More than likely, it always will be. But right now, Mark Stoops has Kentucky football competing in the SEC East. They are second in the East behind Georgia right now. They will be this year. They have a chance to win the East. I don't think they do, but I think they're going to be the second best team in the SEC East. They're going to be better than Tennessee. They're going to be better than Florida. They're going to be better than South Carolina. Will they be better than Georgia? Probably not, but the football program for Kentucky right now is it's better than it ever has been. And for John Calipari to come out and try to get his way to get more money and throw the football team under the bus... That's not the way to do it. This is the best your football program has ever looked. It's only better for your school if your football team is good along with your basketball team. And so for John Calipari to come out and and throw the entire football program and Mark Stoops uh, and just hang them out to dry, I I wasn't a fan of that by any means. I'm not a big John Calipari fan, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of the way he carries himself in his program, but that's just him. That's what he does, and this did not help that by any means. Look, you don't see Bruce Pearl throwing the football program under the bus. You don't say, hey, I need a new practice facility. Our football team's worthless. We need the money. We're a basketball school. You don't see that happening. Absolutely not. You got to work together. Raise your athletics, not just one program. That's what a school is supposed to do. That's what big time head coaches like John Calipari are supposed to do. Raise up your school and all of your athletic programs, not just yours. We got 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, he'll be joining me in just a minute. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on this Friday afternoon on this Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
We've got 30 more minutes here before we get out of here for the weekend. And as promised, we have Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Lindsey, how are you, man? We got a lot of baseball to talk about. Uh, there is, is This is a great time. I have gotten past the draft and the trade deadline. I had yes. a chance to sleep a little bit. And now it's like stretch run. So everybody's going for hard for the playoffs. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. We're going to talk the Atlanta Braves. We're going to talk the MLB as a whole. Uh, so much to talk about. So let's jump right into it. Let's talk about those Atlanta Braves for a while because uh, kind of up and down over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and they have, once they entered March, that's the thing I talked about was this is probably the toughest stretch of the season, this mm-hmm. beginning of March, this three-week stretch. They're in the heart of it right now and started off okay, but the series against the Mets in New York, it really hurt them. Yeah, and that was something where the Mets had so much juice going in there. Scherzer's pitching well. DeGrom came back for his first start. That was one of those games there was no way the Braves were going to win and DeGrom's first start back from you know from the injured list. But they got as close to as a half game. Uh, lose, I think it was four of those five against yep. the Mets. And so once you take care of business, hopefully, against the Marlins here this weekend, you've got a really big stretch next week where you absolutely have to, one, you have to close that gap with the Mets, but two, the Phillies are right behind you. They've been on a tear, and then they're going to get Bryce Harper back uh, sometime towards the end of the month, early in September. And so for them to be making a run like they are, you're still solidly in the wild card, but you definitely want to be the you know, the number one wild card versus the two or three. So at the very least, uh, you have an easier path as far as, you know, and you get to pick who you play. So Braves need to pick it up. And this weekend, obviously, need to handle business. And then uh, you have to do it next week against the Mets without Max Freed. Yeah, I, I saw that, that uh, Freed is on the he's on the injured list with concussion stuff. So uh, you got to do it without him. But looking at this month of August for the Atlanta Braves, they had a two-game series against the Phillies. They split it one and one. Mm-hmm. Then they had the five-game stretch at the New York Mets. They lost four out of five. They did take care of business in Boston, taking two games against the Red Sox. Two exciting games uh, for, the, for the Braves at, at Fenway. Yeah, and, and the big thing there was having to call up the prospect, Von Grissom, for Game 2. Uh, and it you hate to see a guy get hurt like a Orlando Arcia. And obviously it took two or three injuries and a bunch of ineffectiveness to get Grissom to the big leagues. But he's now the second player from that 2019 class. Um, Michael Harris was a fifth-round pick, and then Grissom was an 11th-round pick. And both of these guys are now, they've spent, you know, Harris spent a month in double A and then went straight to the big leagues and started every game. Grissom has spent about two months in double A and now he's here as well. Uh, I love the fact that one, they get to do it together because they're best friends. You know, they've been together the, their entire professional careers. I didn't know that. And so, yeah, when you watch the game and Kelly Kroll, the sideline reporter for, for Bally sports interviewing Von Grissom after the game, Everybody else is in the clubhouse and in the dugout waiting for Von Grissom is Michael Harris. That's cool. Yeah, they are they are best friends. They've been together now for a couple of years. And they have, and for them to get to do this together and then to to have a chance for the Braves to see what this kid can do knowing that he's your potential shortstop of the future if you don't re-sign Dansby Swanson, it gives you a lot more clarity as far as what the plan should be because Dansby I feel like isn't going to be cheap like the rest of, you know, like a like a Riley was, obviously like an Albies and Lacuna were. And so, um, you know, because he took the risk. He played the final year. Uh, 
before free agency. He took the risk by doing that. He's performed better than anybody could have ever expected. He's had the hottest year of his career. And so I don't think he's going to be that cheap. And so you now get around probably a month or so of Von Grissom to see how he can adjust to big league pitching and how well can he do. And then Ozzy always comes back. Uh, but this gives you clarity as far as how aggressive do we have to be with either re-signing Dansby Swanson or signing a veteran shortstop to bridge to, to, to Von Grissom because we now know what he can do. So I guess let me ask you this. What is the more likely outcome that the Braves go after Dansby Swanson to try to retain him or go after another veteran shortstop? Well, the way that the Braves have done a lot of business so far is they've been offering guys extensions early. And we've seen Riley obviously took one. Uh, you know, they've been offering these guys extensions before they hit free agency. Dancy Swanson obviously has not signed one because he's now going to going to free agency. Uh, the thing that has me not sure what's going to happen is that his agent is the same agent that Freddie Freeman had when Freddie Freeman was a free agent. Uh-oh. Yeah, and so there's a little bit of history here. There's a little bit of awkwardness here. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but my inclination is that the way Alex Anthopoulos is going to work is he's going to have a number and he's going to say, this is the best deal I can offer. And it's not him trying to get you cheaper. It's not him trying to lowball you. It is legitimately, this is the best he can do. And if you say, no, you want more, he's going to pivot and go to the next thing. It's what he did with Freddie Freeman. Freddie's agent came back with two numbers and they were both higher than what the Braves were comfortable with. And so the Braves just pivoted and traded for Matt Olson. I mean, Freddie, that's how Freddie found out was Matt Olson the deal was announced that he was being traded for. And it's like, oh, I guess I'm not going back to Atlanta now. <laughs> so I think right. something like that's going to happen with Dansby. They have a number in mind. If if that number is what Dansby's willing to take, Dansby Swanson will be Atlanta Brave. If not, he'll probably be somewhere else. And as much as I don't want to lose Dansby, I feel like he was a big part of that World Series team last year. At the same time, you have an entire 25-man roster, 26-man roster to fill. Uh, and you already have a lot of money committed in Olsen and Riley and Acuna um, in Albies, and then you've got guys coming up soon like Max Freed has to be mm-hmm. extended as well. So uh, ultimately, not sure, but I think I'm worried what's going to happen is Dansby's going to price himself out of Atlanta. Yeah, and so uh, I guess your opinion on what would be the better situation for the Braves overall and for the future, is it to keep Dansby Swanson or is it to let him go? I honestly think if you can do it at the financial level that allows you to not lose a Max Freed, that allows you to be competitive when it goes out to go and find a pitcher, finding uh, you know some more options in left field in the bullpen. If you can do that, then I think, like, if you can keep Dansby at a reasonable price, do that. I don't think you should pay Dansby on a long-term deal as a top-five shortstop in baseball, simply because I'm the kind of person that doesn't believe in taking the most premium defensive position on the field and extending a guy into his mid-30s in it at, you know, $25, $28 million Mm -hmm. a year. Uh, So ultimately, my preference would be if Dansby will take a a smaller deal, average annual value, or a shorter deal, you can do that. If he wants a long-term max money deal, Von Grissom's your guy. Sign a bridge veteran shortstop if you have to, and then use that money to lock up a Max Freed. Use that money to... Depending on what he looks like, maybe Mike Soroka, can, you can get a below market deal on Mike Soroka if he comes back and looks decent this year and you think he's going to regain the form he had, go out and get him. But just, I don't think you should do Dansby long term with high money. 
We're talking Atlanta Braves baseball with Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On uh, MLB Prospects podcast here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Let's talk some more Vaughn Grissom because he uh, they called him up and he he showed up and showed out in Fenway Park. He had the the dream start to his MLB career. His first hit, his first home run of his first MLB game. It was a monster moonshot over the left field uh, wall, the big green monster in Fenway Park, not just into the stands, out of the stadium of Fenway Park. I mean, you can't even draw it up better than that. That's something that a player like him dreams about when they're playing in the backyard growing up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how you script it. It's almost like they were, they were making a movie when this happened. And Von Grissom's a guy, going into the season, we weren't 100% sure exactly what Von Grissom was we knew he was good we didn't know the questions were was he going to be able to 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 hit enough to make uh, the power effective and then was he going to be able to stick it at at shortstop he's already I believe he's 6'3 180 so there was questions about would he have to move to third base Um, and then what kind of of what quality of contact would he make he's always been a a guy who could make solid contact, but it was a, is it going to be home run power? Is it going to be gap power? What's it going to do? And he exceeded just about every expectation that we could have possibly had this year. I mean, double A, 363, 408, 516. Not a ton of home runs in his 22 games. I think he only had four home runs, but plenty of extra base hits, flashing some speed. I think he was like seven to eight on stolen bases. And defensively has looked pretty good. Um, I would say he's probably average to above average at shortstop from what we've seen in the minor leagues. So it's a good thing now to get that test in, see how he does against big league pitching, and then let him work defensively with Ron Washington, who is the 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 infield whisperer when it comes to, to the defense. Goat. The, the goat. goat. He's the best of all time at coaching defenders to see can he be the starting shortstop next year, and if he can be, you have a lot of luxury with Dansby Swanson and, and the deal. And if for some reason you think that he's not ready or he can't be the shortstop, uh, he would make a fantastic left fielder. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, man, I feel like it's easy to when, – when a guy like this comes up, right, he's so young, has so much talent, and his first game is just, I mean, just an unbelievable performance. It's very easy for the media and guys like you and me to, to just jump on this guy and be like, oh, he's the next big thing, right? It's easy to do that because of when they do something like this, when they hit a two-run bomb over the big green monster in their very first game at Fenway Park – it's easy to, to be just all about this guy, but you can tell that his presence is a little bit different when he's in the batter's box and even on the field a little bit. This guy has what it takes, but let me ask you this. It, it's a very tough question to answer, but is this a long-term guy for the Atlanta Braves? I think you're right in that it's really we're really eager to jump on somebody after the very first at-bat of the very first game and, and say we know who this guy is. I'll remind a lot of folks, Jeff Francoeur, home run, hit a home run at home in his first game. Jason Hayward hit a home run oh, in his first at Jason bat Hayward. of his career. Mm. And neither one of those guys ended up having the, you know, hitting the ceiling that we were projecting on them at the time. So it's going to be an important month for Von Grissom. I do think, just from having watched him um, with AA Mississippi, I do think that he has offensively what it takes to be a Major League Baseball player professionally to do the job. Uh, defensively, I think there's a little more variance in the projection 
But I, I mean, I am a believer in Von Grissom, ultimately. I do think that he's going to work out at the major league level. The only question really will be, will he be ready to play shortstop next year if need be? Or can you bring Danzu back and you have the luxury of finding a place for him, a left field? And that's that's really about all the only spot you have on the field yeah. because you have Michael Harrison center, you have Ronald Acuna in right. You've locked up the entire rest of the infield for um, – Five years in Albie's case, plus options. Eight years for Olsen and ten years for Riley. So, Which was a great deal, by the way, getting Riley. What an unbelievable steal. That, that was steal. An, an amazing deal to get Austin Riley. Uh, you, once you buy out his arbitration years, he's making about 23 to $25 million a year for a guy who is an MVP candidate right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he is having the type of season all around that we thought Ronald Acuna would have. And, and Could he have made more money somewhere else? Oh, if if Austin Riley would have waited through his arbitration years and hit free agency, he would have made probably $35 million a year. Wow. And Atlanta has him for $10 million less. And, and so was it because he wanted to be in Atlanta or he was just ready to get paid? I think part of it was he was ready to be in Atlanta. It's it's hard to look at the guys and say they're ready to get paid because when you hit arbitration, the dollar figures are a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But I think, and this is something that... A lot of people in the industry ask why the Braves are able to sign these guys to below market deals. And I think a lot of people underrate the effect of growing up in the Southeast during the time of the Atlanta Braves on TBS. And so, like, this is the team that the entire Southeast grew up watching. You were a Braves fan if you lived. He, he's from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. He was a Braves fan. Even a guy like an Aussie Albies in Curacao, um, Andrew Jones. Was from Curacao, and so there was a ton of Braves on television, you know, there in Curacao. And so a lot of these guys, Matt Olson's an Atlanta kid, um, a lot of these guys sign long-term with the Braves, and they're willing to take a little bit less money because they grew up watching the Atlanta Braves. Shout out Ted Turner for getting us this wonderful team in 2022. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. Uh, So many of these guys growing up and watching the Braves, like you said, that was it. I mean, if you lived anywhere around here, you were a Braves fan, and that's a great way to put it. Maybe it's not all about the money. Maybe it is about playing for your hometown Atlanta Braves. Talking the Atlanta Braves with Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast, looking at these next couple of games. We've talked about it a little bit already. They've got four games in Miami starting tonight. They play a doubleheader tomorrow and then a game on Sunday to wrap up a four-game series. What do the Braves need to do this weekend to make sure that they can stay where they need to be so they can start making a move on the Mets? I think the the two big goals here this weekend is, one, you need to win at least three or four, mm-hmm. if not sweep this series. Miami, they just got John Birdie back from injury. Still not going to move the needle that much. You need to hold serve so that you can try to put a little space on the Phillies and catch up a bit to the Mets. And then two, you need to make sure you've got your pitching right. So uh, the pitching matchups this week in Jake Odorizzi, the the acquisition from the Astros is on Friday. Your doubleheader on Saturday, Ian Anderson and Spencer Strider. After that that, that game, Ian Anderson is reporting to AAA as part of being sent down, and you would have been back to a five-man rotation. You lost Max Freed, so it's probably going to be Waskar Yanoa coming up to, to, to pitch and to fill in that fifth spot until Freed's back. So you need to figure out your pitching option and figure out what you're going to do so you can line them up to face the Mets next week. Because I guarantee you the Mets are going to do whatever they can to make sure that they've got Scherzer and DeGrom pitching against Atlanta next week. They do. I'm looking at it on ESPN.com right now. Uh, the Braves play the Mets Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Scherzer, Thursday's DeGrom. 
See, and going off of the the timing of when you're pitching, guys, Strider's probably going to be your Thursday guy. Yep, Strider against DeGrom on Thursday. And Kyle Wright's probably on Monday. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he's second or third in baseball in wins right now. Kyle Wright is. Strider's obviously one of the only pitchers that can probably go up against DeGrom uh, pitch for pitch as far as pure stuff in baseball. And so figuring out how you're going to fill in without Max Freed in that matchup who's going to match up are you going to do something where you'll have a sacrificial lamb and a Yanoa to go against Scherzer or do you try to get one of your remaining studs against Scherzer knowing you're going to have Strider DeGrom on Thursday either way definitely going to be watching that Thursday and that's going to be fantastic yeah it's going to be great look going up against the Mets when you have Scherzer and then DeGrom the very next night I don't know how you mentally prepare for that but the Braves are going to have to figure something out they got to close the gap on the Mets and like you said they got to stay ahead of the Phillies too because they're surging right behind them let's take our final break here on this Friday edition of On the Line we'll come back talk a little bit more MLB with Lindsey Crosby before we get out of here on this Friday edition of On the line you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Wrapping up the Friday edition of on the line jacob goins with you on espn 1067 auburn open like a sports leader We've got Lindsey Crosby in the house for just a couple of more minutes talking uh, all things Atlanta Braves baseball and now some MLB baseball. we got about two minutes, my friend, so we'll try to go through it quickly. A couple of teams that have just caught your eye over the last couple of weeks around the major leagues. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are, are, I mean, yes, they're fourth in the East. In the AL East, they are five games above 500. The, they are finally doing the dang thing, and they've got a, t- a trio of great prospects in AAA Norfolk right now they can call up, including former Auburn commit Gunnar Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Mariners going out at the trade deadline, being aggressive. They moved number one prospect, Noel V. Marte, to get Luis Castillo. And good for them. Yeah, I mean... They are they are eleven games behind the Astros, but they are solidly in the wild card. Uh, they are I think they are they are leading the wild card by a game over the Blue Jays. And then flip side of this, I have no idea what's going on. Like the Red Sox had a tra- terrible trade deadline. Terrible. Um, there and they we say, keep saying they're bad. They're three games below five hundred, but they just they just lost Chris Sale. They look to be out of it. You saw they were kind of lifeless against the Braves. They just can't figure it out. No. After a great June and a horrible July, they just kind of seem in a rut. They just can't figure it out. Yeah, and at this point, it's 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 getting kind of late to figure out how to break the rut because you're looking at Blue Jays, Mariners are almost not essentially not are, but almost locked into first and second wild card and it's a giant battle for that third one between the Orioles the Twins um, the White Sox it's just what's going to happen we're not quite sure but American League is interesting in the National League obviously the East is a is a juggernaut and then the Brewers are hanging around the Central and the Padres it's going to be a big fight for those three wild card spots and someone some good team is going to get left out Uh, I hope it's the Phillies and not the Braves (laughs) yeah absolutely well man I appreciate your time as always coming in talking baseball it's always a lot of fun let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing man I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball my show Locked on MLB Prospects is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube awesome man well look baseball season it's getting into the fun times we are in the back half of it now with so much more baseball to 
go on. Uh, it's about to get serious. The Braves have some ground to make up and also some teams to hold off uh, over there in their division. They've got some big games coming up. We will talk to you soon about everything going on with the Braves. Maybe they can try to close in that gap on the Mets a little bit. And uh, they're seven games back right now. They played the Marlins this weekend. They play the Mets early next week and then the Astros next weekend. So it does not get any easier nope. for the Atlanta Braves. But man, again, always appreciate your time coming in talking baseball. Lindsey Crosby of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Folks, that's all I've got. We'll be back tomorrow. Hey, I've got an uh, announcement to make on Monday. You make sure you want to stay tuned and uh, tune in for that. I've got some big news coming on Monday. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend.